Hello and welcome to episode 106 of the Right for Your Life podcast. I'm Ian Broom and the person... I'm, oh, well, well, I was just going to go for it by myself then, sorry. That's a mess. <laughs> I thought you were going to do I'm Ian Broom and, and I'm Donna Sorensen. We've not done that, we've not done that right once. No, I know. Every, I listened back to last week's episode and apart from the 10 minutes of crying at the end, which was me inside and uh, your daughter in real life... Um, um, apart from that, we completely messed up the intro again. I said some, I started talking, and then you talked over me, and you were right to start talking. I don't know why I bothered carrying on with what I was going <laughs> about. It was a shambles. Was it? Oh and the, God! And I, I had such high hopes for this week, but no, it was worse. Oh, don't. Anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. Sorry about all this. Um, so today we're going to be talking about, well. Our highlights of uh, 2013, because, well, it's nearly 2014, as you darned well know if you're listening to this, unless you're listening to this way into the future, and then it could be goodness knows what mm-hmm. period period in Earth years. <laughs> um, and it's been a big year, hasn't it? It has been a big year. It's been a, a, a huge year in our lives, but interestingly... Um, um, well, no, I, I, I can't talk for you, but for me, one of my most difficult writing years, um, as well as being one of my, my best in some weird ways. But we'll come on to that. Yeah, absolutely. And also I was thinking, you know, like in world news as well. But, you know. That's oh, as, yes, Nelson Mandela. Whitney Houston was this year, wasn't it, that she... <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not laughing at either of those deaths. I'm laughing at the one that, the, the kind of the way that the two followed each other. Yeah, sorry. <clears throat> uh, that's just the way my mind works. Because <laughs> I was thinking, has it really been a big year? And then I thought, yes, no, it has actually been a very big year for everybody, not just for for you and for me. It's for the entire human race. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't go this year, did he? No, that was a few years ago. Yeah, that was ages ago. Um, Oh, I've lost track of time. I know. We're weary, aren't we? Which is why we're going to be taking a short break at the start of January. That's it, yes. To um, to gather ourselves up and, um, and yeah, gather, do something productive. Gather ourselves up, pull ourselves in and... Um, and pull uh, ourselves together. And transfer this entire package over to the 5x5 network, which has been on the cards for several months. It's finally our turn and we're going to be um I'm going to be spending the next 2 or 3 weeks moving all the shows over and um and settling in and preparing for I suppose because previously we've done this in seasons I suppose it will theoretically be season 4 but we don't really work like that anymore this is episode 100 episode 106 and um and we'll just crack on with 107 probably in the second or third week in um in January so that's something to look forward to everyone Absolutely yeah any other um, admin that we need to get out of the way? Mm, we should just maybe mention the fact that we are aware that there was a little bit of baby interference last week. Well, I did allude to the ten, ten minutes of screaming, but um, we should, I suppose we should give everyone a formal apology. <laughs> yes, I'd say that we uh, we'll make sure it doesn't happen again. We've, Not uh... that we won't be able to stop them, you know, but we, will, <laughs> <laughs> we won't um, force everybody else to enjoy... Endure. Endure, yes, the sounds of our beloved children. Yes, 
And I think that's it. But I hope everyone's had a good Christmas. We're recording this just before Christmas, so I've no idea if we're going to have a good Christmas. Fingers crossed, eh? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be up in the, on a mountain, a proper mountain for Christmas this year for the first time ever. So it's going to be very exciting. That is exciting. I'm going mm. to be in a house by a fire. <laughs> that sounds like Christmas should be. I'm going to be in your house by a fire. Ooh, that's a bit freaky. Well, while I'm on holiday. Well, no. We've not right. made this plan. Your mother's house. All oh, right. It's <laughs> just all sounding very weird. It's a bit weird, I suppose. <laughs> um, so, first things first. Actually, I, before we get on to our bests of 2013, mm. I just wanted to uh, tell everyone, especially those, those listeners who are partially sighted or have problems with reading small text... Um, I'm going to tell you that the large print version of Ayers for Angelica, my debut novel, is now available to purchase. That's great news. It's great news. Interestingly, though, I didn't know that this was happening. And whilst I'm extremely happy that it's happening, um, I was I was mildly shocked. It's fair to say, I don't mind saying that. Um, <laughs> to Flawed. F- to find, the, <laughs> to find that um, the large print version is published by... An entirely different publisher, and I don't get any say in the cover, and seemingly my own publisher, <clears throat> my normal publisher, for want of a better word, doesn't really get to see it until it arrives, and um, and it's got a brand new cover. So the large print version has got an entirely brand new cover. So I think this is just an interesting thing to talk about, just briefly, because we have we do talk, we, neither of us are self-publishers. Not yet, anyway. Um, and I say that just because I've always talked about doing something about writing about writing and maybe self-publishing in that kind of way. Mm. No plans to self-publish any fiction. Um, But of course, one of the things that a self-publisher might say to the situation I've just described, where I've had a version of my novel published and I I didn't even know that it was happening, never mind the fact that the cover's completely different, um, they would say, well, that's why you shouldn't be published in that way is because you have no control over your own destiny, your own work. And that was kind of my initial reaction to it when I saw the cover. And I, so the cover, uh, it's, it's fairly simple, actually. It's A is for Angelica, Ian Broom, and then in the bottom right corner, there's a big picture of uh, three quarters of a woman's face. So Angelica, for the first time ever, has been given a face, which was mm. both a surprise and interesting to me because... <laughs> as I as I sort of cheekily said to um, um, the, the wonderful the wonderful people at Legend Press, I, I, I said, well, I was, I'm pleased that I went so far out of my way to um, make sure there was absolutely no physical description <laughs> of my characters in the book, because I did. I, I, I made a very conscious decision not to describe the way any of the characters look, apart from, I think, saying that Angelica has brown hair, which she does in this picture, which is on the new cover. So anyway... And uh, with a striking resemblance, it is true to Caitlin Moran. Absolutely. It's, I, I, when you pointed that out, I was like, yeah, absolutely. Looks just like her. Um, so so a, a, a publisher might say, uh, sorry, a self-publisher might say, well, no control, you know, you, you t- you've, you've made your bed, lie in your onions, something like that. <laughs> um, and that was my initial kind of reaction. I kind of really thought, well, this is not the end of the world. It's not a bad cover. It's just it's just a long way away from what I would have chosen myself and a long way away from the original cover, which is beautiful and I love. Um, so I, was, I guess I was a little deflated. However, I very quickly sort of thought about it, came to my senses, I suppose, and my feeling about it now is, hey, look, my novel's in large print. That's amazing. So there would be... 
potentially thousands and thousands of people, readers, who couldn't read my book because they don't have a, I don't know, they don't have a, a, an e-reader or, uh, and they can't read the font size. You know, they're partially sighted or, or, or whatever. Think mm. of my granddad. My granddad used to read large print books, mainly Westerns. I don't think he would have approved of mine. Um, I know a publisher in Ireland who um, who had a, a serious problem reading, had to have things massively enlarged. Well, there you go. I mean, it's not it's not an unusual thing. It's not no, it's, it's not, not not at all. But then I was wondering when when you said about this, like where where is the book, the large print version, going to be available? I mean, are they sold in in kind of high street shops? No, well, no, they they won't be. Um, or if they are, I suspect they'll be very specialist shops. It'll be mainly mm. for libraries, so it's primarily for yeah. a library audience, which again is fantastic. So now my my, my novel is available in libraries in a large print edition and who cares what's on the cover that has to be a fantastic thing and i would say to a self-publisher this is this is something that's happened which you would find very difficult to arrange in your position i wouldn't say it in an argumentative way it would just sort of it's just kind of the other side of the argument mm. um but i'd be interested to know what people think of the new cover feel free to have a look tell me what you think good or bad and um i'll, I'll tell you how we could compare it ian is your do? is is the normal version also available in libraries? Um, I presume it must be. You can certainly I mean, you can definitely order it into libraries. I haven't checked. Yeah, well, we can test both versions for herpes in the future and see which one's more popular. <laughs> Good lord! And what, hang on a minute. Scientifically, what are we trying to achieve here? The, <laughs> <laughs> what are we testing? Are we testing the, the covers, or are we testing the types of people who leave herpes in books? People who are with good sight, or people with poor sight? Well, exactly. We could get so many things out of this experiment, which I think we should set up for next year. Um, but the cover, actually, when I was thinking about it a bit more, the cover itself is more set up for people who are visually impaired, because it's, it's just literally a big face and nothing else and a big title. And that kind of makes sense, I guess. Well, the um, um, legend said to me in, an, in the email, email exchange I've previously described, they said the large print publisher, they obviously know their market. So, so yes, you're right. They've obviously decided that that was the most appropriate cover for that particular audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then this, you know, they do know their market, but, I mean, there are so many cases of of this conflict that the author and publisher can have over their covers and been happening probably throughout well for as long as books have been published um and you know do they always get it right and do they always know don't know no definitely not i was on a panel at a conference recently with um you know what it's like with um um an author who part of the reason they decided to go into self-publishing was because they were so tired of their work being um, um, sold as chiclet. So she would write a novel and it was... I, 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 I apologise. Her name's Polly Courtney. I apologise for not knowing enough about her work. But um, basically the, um, her, her work was not chiclet, certainly not according to her, and yet it was having that kind of stereotypical... Mm. Um, and I realise the word chiclet is fairly has its problems but um yeah so she, she, it was a huge factor in her leaving the publisher yeah absolutely well i don't know whether i've ever talked about my experiences with the book cover for my book i don't think you have not on the podcast no, no not on the podcast um because i ha- i've had you know a, a very similar experience where at the start when i was presented with the ideas for my book i, I found it 
very challenging because you've had this really distinct idea that you've you've had with you from the start. I mean, it wasn't necessarily a cover I had in mind, but it was certainly a feel that I that I had in mind for the cover of the collection. And um, the publishers, my publishers, New Island, fantastic now, they sent me five uh, possible covers, um, all very different. And yes, I, I felt that they weren't quite what I had hoped for or imagined in the book. One of them was quite similar, actually, to the... Um, to the new the cover for the of the large print version of Faze for Angelica. It's kind of a woman looking in a mirror, a makeup mirror. Um so yeah, it's, it was a fascinating process. But then you see I was because this was, you know, the the proper version of the book, we were able to 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 chat about it and take it forward to, you know, more together about what what the ideas were that I had had in mind and and uh, New Island put together a fantastic cover. In the end it was their cover wasn't mine you know um so but it, it didn't happen straight away it was you know a process it's tough and the tr- I, th- I think that i think that my experience with my original cover like the, the the proper one the main one um was quite unique and i think i may have said this before i got to basically choose um a, a friend to design it but a friend who happens to be sort of a very well respected fantastic um artist from from sheffield where i'm from and uh, John, well, I'll give him a plug. Jonathan Wilkinson, we live here. And, mm-hmm. uh, we live here. dot uk. You need to get that right. We live here. dot uk. Do not put anything else in. And I'm absolutely serious because it is filth. Um, <laughs> really? Yes, absolutely. And now, see, now people are going to check, and you shouldn't. Well, it's, it's, I'm, I'm restraining a... myself only because it will make too much noise while we're recording. Otherwise, I'd be on that website. It, the, uh, I must. I need to specify very clearly here. This is not a joke. Okay. <laughs> we is a wonderful website by the fantastic artist who designed my book. We live here. Something else. I can't quite remember what it is. Is pornography, frankly. <laughs> so do not go there. But how bizarre! I mean, I'm just trying to imagine the niche. It just doesn't sound like that kind of site. Anyway. <laughs> Yes, carry on. So yes, yes that was you a, were able to um, to uh, bring him into the equation, which yeah, you're lucky because not everybody knows a talented graphic designer like that. But even if they do, very few authors are in a position to have them design their cover. They would still the the, the publishing house quite often would say, "Well, we want our in-house team to do it. We, yeah, we, we kind of totally. don't care. We want the control over that, which is mm. fine and understandable." But so I've, I've been quite lucky. So the whole kind of large print edition cover you know my initial reaction was one of slight kind of shock but you know it's fine this it's all it's all good the more the more versions the more copies out there the better yeah it'd be great to see how this version does indeed indeed so shall we move on to our best ofs yeah let's do that best ofs and um possibly some uh, writing resolutions for the coming year yeah yes yeah, yeah, those in there Let's, let's start with our uh, book of the year. You go first. What's What's been the best book you've read this year? Well, I mean, I'm going to seem massively out of date. So I, I think I've got two books which I have adored this year and neither of them were written this year. And one of them was written like half a century ago. But um, for the first time ever, I read The Great Gatsby this year and I loved it. I loved his writing. It was incredible. And the other one was The Sisters Brothers by Patrick DeWitt. I don't know if you've read that one, have you? 
Um, I haven't read it, but I do have it on my shelf, ready it's to read. It's on your shelf. Yeah, well, I, I had a good old guffaw at that. It was um, it was a laugh out loud, loud book for me, and I I just love laugh out loud books so much because, like laugh out loud films, there's not very many of them around. You know what it's like. Films these days, if you laugh at the trailer, that's probably the funniest bits there, right there, and then just forget the rest of the film. Yes, that's true. There's a lot of um, a lot of the American sort of laddish comedies are the same you might as well just watch the trailers and then just ignore the rest yeah get all the funny bits in and i've had very few seriously hilarious books in my time um but i I did have a good old chuckle at sisters brothers what what else about it so let's forget the gatsby because everyone knows the gatsby and and the great gatsby and you know that's fine so what was it about brothers sisters apart from it being laugh out loud that particularly hooked you in Oh, it was, it was just the two main characters, the brothers who are um, hitmen, cowboys, back in the past. Uh, it was just the, their ludicrous way of going about things. It was all very slapstick, but um, in a in a not too obvious way. And what, what, was, what was the writing like? Was it was was the writing because I, I, it's usually for me. Um, Although I love, you know, it needs to be a good story and all that kind of thing. If the writing, if there's something about the writing that really just gets me Yeah, there. totally. Well, I mean, that's the thing about The Great Gatsby, isn't it? Just the quality of the writing as well. But this, I, I found Patrick DeWitt to be a fantastic writer as well. It's kind of like a um, a more overtly comic version of um, Cormac McCarthy. Okay. The only Cormac McCarthy I've read is The Road, which there was very little comic elements to that. All the Pretty Horses, you've not read that? No. That's an amazing book. See, I'm getting a bit of a cowboy theme here. I'm not massively into cowboy books in general, but those two there are up in my top 30 books probably ever read, and they're both cowboy books. But, yeah, well, there's another recommendation for you right now. Well, not that you need them. You've probably got a list as long as you're... Um, your arm, I was going to say, but that's not God, a very long that, list, that, is it? That was the worst <laughs> silence. I, I was terrified about what was going to happen there. <laughs> I just... I had I had in my head a list as long as your arm, like as if that was an expression. But while I was Why thinking did you about pause? it, because I thought suddenly an arm's not that long. Like you could definitely get through a list of uh, uh, books your arm's length in your lifetime, couldn't you? But the expression isn't about a literal length of someone's arm. It's a, it's the expression <laughs> you use for something that's long. <laughs> but it's. Yeah, well, look, I, I just think it worked in this situation. I just had to quickly think it through as I was talking. I'm sorry, sometimes my brain works like that. <laughs> I've never been so frightened in public. <laughs> anyway, you probably have a rather large list of books that you are going or intend on reading and you don't need suggestions from me. That's true. My, um, I've, I've managed to read, I, can't, I think it's either 18 or 19 of my target of 24, for 24 26 for... 2013. So I've come up short, frankly, but it's tricky to, uh, as we discussed many times, it's tri- tricky. It's tricky. It's tricky to um, to to rock to... a rhyme. Are you seriously <laughs> knocking out a book every two weeks? No, that's what I was attempting to do, and that's not what's actually happened. You have to oh, bear, but... bear in mind that a couple of those books are quite short because I decided I need to try and catch up. Wow, but you know, seriously, that's that's quite quite good going, I reckon. So, what were your books of the year then? My books of the year, and there are two. Um, let's start with 
Harvest by Jim Crace, which was nominated for the book and has been nominated for various other things. I haven't read any Jim Crace work before, um, and this is it's not the 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 book was great i i i really enjoyed it i really loved it i I found it tough going at times i found it difficult to understand i don't know i don't know an awful lot about the the kind of the period that it was set in but it had that something about it that the really fantastic amazing books do that you can't really put your finger on you want to keep reading and then you end up thinking about it sort of quite a lot later and as an author when I, because I, I'm, I'm completely incapable of reading a book and just enjoying it. I always have to think about how it was done and how it might affect my writing and stuff. Um, as an author, it made me really think about how he, how he was able to be economical with his language, but incredibly lyrical. Um, so the the it's not it's not completely, um, you know, it's not. <laughs> I never know what to say here, but it's not very flouncy. That's one word I might use. It's not like it's got lots of elaborate language. It's not like there's lots of long words, that kind of thing. Mm. It's, you know, it's fairly straightforward stuff. It's fairly easy to read in, in in many ways, but such real rhythm and lyricism to it, which um, which has really made me try and think about my writing more. Because I too am quite economical. I don't write elaborately. Um, and I, I I do t- I do talk about rhythm all the time, as anyone who listens to the podcast will know. But I don't write like Jim Crace. I don't have that kind of. You wouldn't read my writing and think there's this, this you know that some of it is almost like poetry. So it's just just made me think a bit about my writing. And it's interesting that it's it's still one of your books, even though you say there were parts of it that that you found tough going. Um, tough tough going because I just. Um, I don't. I don't know. This, the thing with reading books, of course, is that you are heavily influenced by how you are at that particular time. So I read, I read this much earlier on in the year, and I remember it being a p- particular point in the year where I was really tired because the boys weren't sleeping particularly well, and so I was up. I was up quite a lot with them, and so I would often start reading and then just be really struggling to keep my eyes open. And so I might read five or ten pages one day, then five or ten pages the next, and really that's no way to read. Um, and so I think those were the bits that I might have struggled with. So it might it might not have been the novel's fault; it might have been my fault, really. Hmm. And um, this, I know what you mean about reading books in a slightly different way. Like when you you end up kind of analysing quite a lot what the writer was doing or thinking, well, how they've achieved what they've done as you're going along. Do you think that you enjoy books as much now that you you, you do that with your reading, or? Um, I don't think I will ever enjoy books as much as I did when I was a teenager or a child, sadly. No, I know. I, I, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It's just, for some reason, I can't seem to recapture that magic. But once you've decided that you want to write one, Mm. uh, and then go on, and then, you know, fortunately in my case, go on to get one published, you can't really go back. No, I know what you mean. Although this might be a good opportunity to quickly... Sorry, just give my honourable mention, which I forgot to, which was for the first page of um, 100 Years of Solitude, which I specifically, for that reason, decided to go back and just just have a little glance, just to see whether it still was one of my favourite books ever written, because it was a long, long time ago that I read it. And um, so I did it on the loo, and only the first page, and I adored it, so... So an honourable mention it gets. 
for the first page of 100 Years of Solitude <laughs> in the Books of the Year category, yeah. I haven't said my, I haven't said my, my actual favourite, so I think, Ooh, I, think, I think Harvest Jim Crace was perhaps a close second to uh, Nathan Filer's Shock of the Fall, which I have mentioned before. <gasps> oh, yes, yes, and which I asked for for my birthday and I didn't get. Wowzers. Yeah. Um, and so what was so good about this one? Well, I had to... Well, there were lots of things are great about it. It's recently been nominated for the Costa. Nathan's been on the show. I've met Nathan in real life, and I've done a performance with him, or we, we were on a panel together at an event. So I'm aware that I have to try and detach all that and say, is this book the, my favourite of the year? And I have thought about this. But I, I, honestly think, I honestly think it is. I remember reading it, and because uh, we, we share an agent, so... Um, I, I, we both share an agent, which is how I got to, to to meet Nathan, and we're a similar sort of age. We've both just had children. We've both done spoken word and performance stuff in the past. We're quite similar in lots of ways. So, in in some ways, when I started reading it, and I don't, I I, I, I think I I'd be quite happy for him to hear this. I'll tell him that we've talked about it. Um, in, in some ways, I was thinking. Um, not that I wanted it to be bad in any way, not in the slightest, <laughs> but I was I was immediately authorially defensive, and I was kind of I knew I was aware of reading it as uh, with all that baggage, but within a couple of pages, all of that baggage, uh, which is all very positive baggage, I might add, as um, it kind of went because I was just completely completely into it, and actually some of the qualities I just talked about in with uh, Jim Crace and uh, and Harvest, the the idea of um, uh, um, using I can't think of a way of saying this really I never can without it being sounding derogatory but kind of an economical writing style mm. uh, which is still absolutely packed full of rhythm and, and poetry and just fantastic lines so I think that was the thing that, that um, I remember most about reading Shock of the Fall was just some of the some of the lines and or some of the sort of paragraphs and passages which I just thought were just stunning pieces uh, of writing, sort of in, individually, and um, and and in that way it reminds me of uh, Margaret Atwood. How I because that's how I um, it's been a while actually since I've read any Margaret Atwood, but I, I always remember just reading uh, like I don't know a page or a couple of pages that would absolutely just floor me, just the quality, and um, and it was a bit like that. Oh, um, right. So I, sh- I don't, we didn't talk about what either of these books were actually about. Any of these books were about. That's probably a that's probably quite bad, isn't it? I briefly mentioned it for Sisters Brothers. But yeah, okay. go on then. So The Shock of the Fall. Well, the Jim Crazy's Harvest, I did a kind of mini <laughs> review and there's a video, so I'll put that in the show notes. The Shock of the Fall is about, um, uh, uh, well, about a, a man reflecting and also it's kind of about when he was a, a kid as well. Basically, when he was a boy, um, he um, his his brother dies and then he has kind of mental health problems and it's kind of the fallout of that. So it's kind of everything that comes from his brother dying, which is um, beautifully handled. Yeah. Again, it's, uh, it's, I also think a book uh, kind of stands and falls on its kind of pivotal moments. If you, you can have the best written book in the world, but if like the main bit, like the main key event, is kind of badly handled, it kind of ruins the whole thing. Mm, uh, yeah. But it wasn't. So anyway, that's uh, we've talked about our best books of the year enough, but that was great. And actually... The, I should say that my favourite piece of writing of that I read of the entire year was the poem that I read, which I've forgotten the title of, from Stagsley by Sharon Olds. What was it called? Last Look. Yeah. So I, and again, I did a video. Oh, of that me. was good. I just had that off the top of my head. Yes. 
<laughs> so I, I I did a little um, sort of spoken word thing performing this poem, and I did a video and put that on YouTube. So I'll put that in the show notes as well. But as a piece of writing, that was my favourite. Hmm. Cool. What was your personal writing moments of the year? It's my writing highlight. Well, I mean, oh, yes, it was. It's nice to be able to say, isn't it? It was having a book published. Um, my dream came true. That was amazing. <laughs> obviously that was it so that's amazing for you but how would that how does how how would you extrapolate that for people who are listening who are unpublished or who uh have had their book published i suppose but for people who are kind of striving to achieve that can you kind of can you kind of sum up um how the what the the experience of that very sort of quickly and and why i would say the experience was it's it's there and it's happened for me it was slightly underwhelming uh, compared to how you imagine it when you you know you're sitting there imagining it scribbling away in front of your whatever it is you're writing on um but i think it was because it was it seemed like a long process from when it was possibly going to happen to when it was confirmed and in that time i thought it wasn't happening so many times that you you kind of end up telling yourself it's not going to happen and then when it does happen it's it's it well, I and mean, this is not how it is for every writer that gets published, I'm quite sure. But I, I had a, a very weird um, reaction, I guess, to that, where I was trying not to be too happy or too excited about it. And I ended up not being massively happy or excited about it, I think, in, inside. Um, so when, when people have talked to me about it, I've always felt a little bit like, oh, you know, I, I shouldn't go on too much about it and things like that. So I, think, I feel like I, through the process of actually getting it all confirmed and edited and put out there i i talked myself down so much that i um that i i, I don't know i just did to me it was obviously a, a major life highlight but if i was to be honest about the way i felt about it it was i wasn't like kind of skipping around and waking up every day and sitting up in bed and remembering i had a book published and feeling amazing about it which i think is just you know it's it's honest I hope I'm not putting people off. No, I don't think that should put people off because I had a very similar experience. And I think partly, I, I, I suggest, um, certainly for me, partly um, that kind of underwhelmed feeling was, was um, A, because it could never compare to what you want it to be. Mm. And and B, in in our case, we had children at around the same sort of time, which is a fairly significant life event and it does put things in perspective slightly. Absolutely. And I can compare it to the feeling I have when I go to a new country, which always, without fail, um, is in, there's an, an underlying sense of disappointment because I always imagine the places I'm going to go before I go there. And I have this idea of them in my head. And regardless of how amazing a place is, it can never be the place that I've imagined it to be. So I'm, I always end up somewhere that I wasn't expecting. And at the start, I have to kind of adjust to that, you know, even though places can be absolutely amazing. That's what it was like for my book. And I think, um, I think that life goes on. I think that's the thing that I very quickly realized. This is, this is something, pub the publication was something that I had in my head and I built up to for so, so long. Yeah. And then 
you kind of you have for example you have your book launch and you think you're on top of the world people are buying your book you're signing them your friends your family are there and then the next day you get up and <laughs> everything's the same except there's no book launch and <laughs> you know you know you, you, it's almost like you want to have a book launch every day and um, yeah well that's funny that's because the, another highlight i was going to mention was um like i didn't have a big launch for my book but i did have an event um with um friends and family here in copenhagen um and that was a big highlight for the, for the reason that it was the first time actually I'd performed my poetry in front of my friends. I, when I, I did a lot of performing in Ireland and um, to a lot of, you know, Irish people that I knew and friends I had in Ireland as well. But I, there were friends that I'd made living in Ireland, but people that I've known for a long time, um, I hadn't performed to them. And I think it just opened up like this whole new side of, of me and and I just, I, I adored it, you know, showing or sharing my, my work with, with people that I cared about. Performing live is, is still one of my top tips for any writer, is to get right. out there and perform your work in front of people. It is not only an amazing way of conquering a few fears, but it's also one of the most exhilarating experiences. It's just, you've, you've, you absolutely, to coin the phrase of many young people in the mid-2000s, you're completely buzzing from it. Totally, you end up feeling like Kanye West. I did feel like Kanye West when I uh, used to perform my <laughs> work more. You come down, you're kind of like, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm amazing. I should have called myself Isis. E- Isis. <laughs> yeah, like because Kanye West's new album is called Jesus. <laughs> yeah, so I should have called myself Isis. It's interesting you know what Kanye West's new album's called. Why is that interesting? He's Kanye West. He's like one of the biggest megastars in the entire world and everyone well, knows. Hang on a second. Beyonce is... I said like, one of. No, I, I, no, hang on. I'm not contradicting you. I'm just merely saying that she, her new album is has outsold anything that's ever, ever happened in the history of the human race before, hasn't it? I wouldn't be able to tell you what her album's called. It's called Beyonce. Stop it. Surely she's already had an album called Beyonce. Nope. Self-titled album, Beyonce. She dropped it while it was hot. No, she dropped it like it was hot. Oh, no. (laughs) It was as long as her arm. Good. All right. Okay. So those, I I have one last highlight, writing highlight. How many highlights have you got? Well, it's been a big year, excuse me. Thank you. Go on, then. Uh, Was my review in the Sunday Times in Ireland, which was um, wonderful. A wonderful review and it was um uh, featuring my face <laughs> which i enjoyed seeing in a newspaper and um it was my review was alongside the review of um the new uh, ireland professor of poetry paula mia uh, who i respect very much so it was all very exciting i've heard she respects you too <laughs> don't stop it did she say that no. No, she's a very nice person so there you go Okay, well, I will very briefly, because we're running out of time, tell you what my writer moment of the year was. And it was, I've not done an awful lot of writing this year. It's been very, very difficult. I found it extremely tough to start a new job, have two children in one go, and write another novel. But I have made a start, and I am on, I am, I'm on the path, and I'm on the way. And there was a point where I decided what my novel was going to be about and I know that sounds like a fairly trivial thing but this is something that all of us writers struggle with what is our short story what is our poetry what is our blog what is our novel going to be about how do we know which idea to choose we've talked about this before Mm -hmm. and um and and I had two ideas and I'd been trying to 
do them separately. I thought one was going to be a short story, one would be the novel, and neither were going particularly well. And then I brought them together, and now I can see where it's going. And for me, that's a real big moment for any writer is to actually be able to decide, to make a decision and say, this is what it's going to be about. And when um, It's a release. It is a release. And when a you release write- then out into the creative space behind that. You just let loose. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Especially when you're writing something that's 70,000 words long, you know, you need to, it is a decision. You can't just sort of write 60,000 words and see how it goes. You know, you need to decide at a point whether this is actually going to be something you continue with. Absolutely. So, go on then. You haven't, you say that you've not done as much writing as you'd like to, uh, would have liked to this year. What are your writing resolutions for 2014? Do more writing. (laughs) Inspired. No, I'm going to. Um, I'm going to. Uh, not only am I going to do more writing, I'm going to. I'm going to do it in a structured way. I'm not going to try and try and hold myself to the idea of writing every day because I've tried it and I know that it's impossible for me, as a father of two tiny babies who are now probably. When do you stop calling them babies and start calling them children? I don't know, but my Danish husband's has t- decided that infant is a word that you use at a certain point. I'm not sure that it is <laughs> necessary. Only, only if you're part of the local education authority. <laughs> um, anyway. Yes, yeah, so more structured, not necessarily every day. But do you not think it's good to say, like, you know, at the end of every kind of week, you would have liked to have done a, a, a certain amount? Oh, definitely. I'm definitely going to... This is what I mean by more structured. I'm not going to say I'm going to write every day, but I'm going to start planning word counts by certain points i'm going to take the plotting that i've already done and just and just make it far more structured i'm going to i'm about at the stage where i can probably start using my post-it note system one of my resolutions is to write up my post-it note system and maybe uh, into a small ebook and maybe flog it for 99 pence or something like that <laughs> um that's not a joke that was serious self-publishing man uh, sorry um other plans for 2014 this podcast, we're going to move that over to five by five, and hopefully, Wait. hopefully that will uh, everyone who listens will come with us. Uh, please come with us, and hopefully it will open this podcast up to a, a wider audience, and we will grow and all those kinds of things. And we're we're going to make some plans. We're going to use this two, couple of weeks where we don't um, where we're not recording to um, to start of plan what we're going to do over the next year because you know we're going to go pro. We're going to go pro. We've done a lot of episodes on the hoof because. Um, uh, for one reason or other so we're really going to get stuck in and make this podcast bigger and better and i'm going to start uh, blogging again at some point and in a in a slightly different way i'll talk about that as a later date but basically 2014 2013 the year of the babies 2014 the year of the author interesting what about you i would love i want to do more events uh, more readings and I would love to perform at my first literary festival or not it doesn't have to be a literary festival but you know some kind of gathering of of people whether it's a literary festival or um, another kind of festival something like that I'd love to be part of something bigger yes well I mean and but the best thing to do is to is to get out there and and, and get stuck into your spoken uh, spoken word nice and this this is you know this goes for for anyone listening i i, I say again there's nothing quite like performing your work live and it's oh, ama- yeah. it's amazing how quickly you can 
get a name for yourself. So you might you might think just being you need to be published in order to be asked to speak uh, to speak or to perform at a literary festival. But actually, if you if you if you're part of on the on the circuit, if you read your fiction or your poetry as part of a circuit, then you um, you you get known and you may well get asked to read at bigger uh, bigger events and that kind of thing. Do you know what I think you should do? Mm-hmm. I think that you should start your own spoken word night in Copenhagen. Well, this is the thing, yes, because the circuit, if the circuit doesn't exist in your given or chosen language, I'm, I'm you know, there are literary events here in Copenhagen, um, spoken word ones, I mean. But, you know, I mean, everything's happening in Danish. I um, I would have to take that leap, yeah. And, you know, there are some really interesting literary festivals that happen here, international ones in Copenhagen. So I just need to get my but in gear and um, and and start being a bit more serious about getting myself out and about and getting my book out and about. So I will be doing that. I will be taking myself more seriously. I will be finishing my website, which I feel has, you know, looks lovely, but it's just the start and I need to really um, get on with that. And at some point I need to be brave enough to ask my publisher how many books I've sold. <laughs> I've, I don't even want to broach that subject at the moment. You know, you're just like, just let it be, be fine. Um, finally, my resolution is to not worry so much about what I'm writing because now that I've had a book published, I feel like it's it might have restricted me a little bit and my creativity because I'm overthinking everything and, and, and not just letting myself go and write as much. So just need to uh, to relax and have some good old writing and do you think that's do you think that's a a common problem that people have is to that, that they worry to and this could be any any type of writer that they worry too much about what they're writing oh well i mean i think you know if i'm feeling it can you imagine what what people who've you know won prizes with their first novels or had you know a big impact with their first book how they must feel i mean it must be insane the amount of pressure you know the amount of pressure to pr- produce a second one in a series or whatever that you know i mean it's just yeah I can imagine it's enormous. Yeah, I mean, I definitely felt that, but I keep trying to remind myself how lucky I am that I've had one not published in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I know. I mean, it's not. It's not really a complaint, is it? It's, it's more. It's it's, it's an honour to be able to say, "Oh dear, am I? You know, is this going to be as good as, as what I wrote before?" Yeah, no. Well, I, I wasn't saying that as a uh, to. I wasn't, that wasn't a back at you. That was just a, a general comment. I think it, mm-hmm. I because I. Cause I Frequently, it's been one of my big problems this year. But I found it difficult. I'll just look at my computer and think, "Oh, this needs to be amazing." And I know that I'm not. In, <laughs> I, know. I know that I'm knackered, and I'm not going to write something amazing. And I know so, it's ridiculous. You weren't sitting there thinking that the first time. I mean, well, maybe you were, but you weren't worrying about it as much. That, I, I, that's true, and I, 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 I was thinking that. And I think you do have to. I think it's important that you do think that as a writer. I think that you should sit down and think. This is going to be amazing. I think you should have really high standards. You should try and make your book as good as it can possibly be. I'm totally all for that. But the one thing that I need to stop doing, and most other writers, um, I think, need to stop doing as well, is is actually n- that needing it to be amazing sometimes can stop us actually doing anything. And I, I quite often fall into that trap because yeah. I think, well... It's not going to be amazing because I'm tired or because I have, I'm, I've got a baby on my lap. Uh, so let's just not do it. Where instead <laughs> I should I should go. It's not going to be amazing, but at least it's something. <laughs> so um, yeah. 
I think they're great resolutions. Um, it'd be nice to uh, to know if other well, if our listeners have resolutions for this coming year as well, writing C- ones. Certainly would. If so if you have any comments on anything that we've just talked about, if you want to go and have a look at my new book cover, then you can find that in the show notes. So you'll find the show notes on um, ianbroom.com slash podcast. When we move over to 5x5, five by, five, by the way, Donna, we will have a very easy-to-remember URL for every single show. For example, when if you're listening to this in the future, you can probably go to 5x5.tv slash WFYL slash 106. Oh, oh yeah, that's easy. Very easy. Um, yeah. So if you're listening in the future, people, then you go to that now and it'll probably be there. It's not there at the moment. Don't try it. Don't go. <laughs> Sounds great. Um, and um, yes, so people can can uh, get in touch with us. How? On Twitter, at The Flying Poet and at Ian Broom. Yes, I-A-I-N. Broom with an E on the end. That's right. And Facebook, and uh, we've both got websites, haven't we? That's nice. Do you know what I've got as well? Oof. (laughs) Many things popped up there. Um, No. I've got an email address. Oh. You can email ian at rightforyourlife.net if you want. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm. Don't know whether we shared that, really. No, not normally. uh, This is a first. Old, good old-fashioned emails, eh? We always forget about it. Indeed. Well, thank you for a great year. It's been um, a pleasure being part of Right For Your Life in 2013. I look forward to 2014. Of course, I should have said my my writing highlight was uh, having uh, one Donna Sorensen on board. Oh, stop it. <laughs> but it wouldn't have been true, so that's why I didn't say it. Oh, oh no, well, that's been... a great way to end the year. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. No, it's been wonderful. It's, uh, let's uh, let's create some uh, wonderful memories in the future. Absolutely. Let's do it. Um, uh, have a great uh, new year, everybody. <coughs> yes. Farewell. <laughs>